Well, I want to share this morning on uh, another aspect of Joseph's life. And, you know, we've been looking at some different, different ways that Joseph is remarkable. And I, I just, something about uh, his life and his experience just kept coming back to me this week. I want to look at with you. Um, and it's actually one of the reasons why he was promoted, right? He was taken out of the prison and he had that dream, or Pharaoh had that dream that was interpreted, and then he was promoted, and he was put in that high place in, in Egypt. Um, and, and when you consider the, the story, sometimes you kind of think, well, well, he was promoted, he was taken out of prison and promoted and put into that position because he interpreted that dream. But actually, if you read what it says, that's, that's not the case. And, you know, for, and of course, that, that story is that Pharaoh dreamed that dream about seven good uh, and good-looking and fat cows that came out of the river, and but then seven very lean and ugly cows came out, and the ugly ones ate the good ones. And that was upsetting to Pharaoh, but then he had another dream, and he saw seven good um, ears of corn or grain, and, and they were beautiful. It seemed like they were beautiful to behold, but then there were seven very lean and thin. It actually says they were scorched with an east wind, like they they were messed up in that sense. And they came and devoured the good grain. And so Pharaoh and his court were disturbed by these dreams. They had no idea what they meant. And then you know we read about uh, the butler from that Joseph has, had interpreted his dreams before. Two years later, he remembered Joseph. Oh, yeah, there was that guy who interpreted my dreams. And so he was called to interpret the dreams of Pharaoh. He was brought out of prison, and you know, he said that the first uh, seven cows and seven ears of corn or grain represented seven years of plenty, a bountiful harvest. In fact, they, they would represent something that had never been seen before. It would... They would have harvests that would produce more food than they can possibly eat. That's quite something to consider, right? I mean, you know, a farmer, they have a goal of getting a good harvest, but you know, none of them think, well, I'm going to produce so much that it's impossible for people to eat it. But that's what happened in these seven years. But it's for the purpose of God, because after that would be seven years of famine like they'd never seen. It's almost like it was impossible for the land to produce anything. Like that, that ability was taken away. But God had prepared the way for them through the seven years of plenty. And God was giving a warning. But Joseph didn't stop there, right? He didn't just interpret the dream and say, this is what it means. He then went on to say this to Pharaoh. He said, let Pharaoh man find him a man who's discreet and wise and put him over the land and let him take in the bounty and store it up for the time of famine. That really impressed Pharaoh. And this is what Pharaoh said. Genesis 41, 37. And it says, The thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find anyone such as this man who's before us here, in whom is the Spirit of God? And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you are. 
you're going to be over my house and over all my people. They'll be ruled according to your word. Only in the regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And so what was it that in Joseph that Pharaoh recognized? I think, yes, it was the fact that, you know, Joseph had this divine ability to understand what dreams meant. And that's good. But, you know, that's not what got Egypt through the famine. It was the fact that he knew there was no one as discerning and wise as Joseph. Joseph had wisdom. You know, God prepared Joseph so that he would know what to do in the times of bounty and in the times of trouble. And he did this through wisdom. And so it was the wisdom that was upon Joseph that came from heaven that promoted him into that place. And, you know, we, we're a church that believes in revival. We believe in miracles flowing in the last days and God, you know, moving in a powerful way in the earth. But, you know, there are going to be great demonstrations of this power and the spirit of God, great feats of the spirit of might like Samson. There's going to be miracles of healing, miracles of provision. You know, I don't think we've seen anything yet. And all of that's necessary. But, you know, it's not those things that's going to really get us through the times of difficulty that is also ahead. The key for the times that are coming and for now is wisdom. It will be people who know what to do in the times of bounty and in the times of trouble. And so Joseph, he was chosen and promoted because Pharaoh recognized this man knew what to do, right? He, had, he was able to make right decisions. He knew what was important and what was necessary to get them through the days ahead. And he was able to lead them in a way they were preserved, not just Egypt, but other nations and, and the people of God as well. Now, we don't just have to consider the last days to, to say we need wisdom, right? Even today, it's, it's really helpful when you're in a situation and you know what to do, isn't it? Who likes to be in a situation where you don't know what to do? I don't know if there's anyone who really knows that and or, or wants that, desires that. And so we need wisdom. And that's why the Bible says it's the principal thing in life. Right? It's really important to know what to do in life. Now, a good definition for wisdom is a divine ability, and we're talking about something from God that God gives to us, a divine ability to know what to do in a situation and therefore to live life skillfully. To live life skillfully. Wisdom enables us to be skillful at living life. And what does that mean? It basically means that we just get good at it in the sense that, well, there's a decision before us. I know what to do. I go to God. God gives wisdom, I make the right decision, and I just avoided a whole lot of trouble. And I walked around it. There's other people that don't do that. The Bible talks about the simple. They pass on and it's like they walk right into trouble. We don't want to be like the, the latter, do we? We want to be the former who get wisdom and they know where to avoid trouble, when to store up the good things of God to have it, and so wisdom is so vitally important today 
as well as in the days to come. You know, God can give abilities. We can flow in the gifts. Um, you know, we can minister in the power of God. We can experience healing and provision and all those things, but it can all be destroyed if we don't have wisdom. And Dr. Bailey said this in one of his commentaries. He said, if we do everything else in life except obtain wisdom, in actuality, we have failed and accomplished nothing. Because wisdom from God is the ability to make right decisions and be preserved. Right? Without wisdom, we don't know how to walk or conduct ourselves in a way that's pleasing to God. And so when you have wisdom, it's, it's like the Lord is walking beside you. And you know, he's telling you what to do in every step. Oh, there's danger ahead. Step, step to the side. Go this way. Let's go around this situation. Or you can be in that and, and say, well, you know, what do I need to do to have a good outcome, to be fruitful, to be blessed? Wisdom shows you that way. And Jesus wants to walk with us in wisdom so that we see a situation we know just what to do to be fruitful. There's so much that we as, as human beings uh, like to do you know, with our natural sight and our natural thinking. We can easily miss uh, what's important. The enemy likes to lay traps for us. To, you know, he talks about the snares of the devil that he wants to ensnare us. Um, or perhaps there's a good way that will, that will bless us. But when we look with our natural eyes, we miss it. When we make decisions with our natural thinking, we make the wrong decisions because we're just seeing what's in before us. We don't see what is hidden that God sees. Wisdom will show us the way. Now, we have, there's a familiar verse I want to apply. It's not usually applied to wisdom, but I think that I think we can, it's not too much of a stretch to do that. It's in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 9. And this is a beautiful promise. It says, The eye, as it is written, the eye hasn't seen, the ear has not heard, it hasn't even entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. You know, I firmly believe this, this is. A, talking about eternity, right? I mean, there's a wonderful eternity waiting for us, but God's talking also about what he's going to bring his church into, the days ahead that he has for us. But, you know, it also can talk about some of the, the challenges we're going to face too, right? Because we know the earth is going to be tried in ways that we, we never anticipated, right? We can't even imagine Right? As much as God's going to move in ways we cannot imagine, with no eye has seen, no ears heard, the enemy's also going to try and mimic the ways of God, but against believers. How are we going to be able to deal with and anticipate what is not seen or heard or even understood, both in the good way and in the negative way? It's only the wisdom from above that's going to make a difference as we are flowing in wisdom, as we allow wisdom to govern our lives. And we're going to look at that in a minute, but the wisdom of the Lord will lead us in the way we should go. 
But you know, wisdom is more than just making right decisions, right? It, because that kind of implies, well, you, it's, that's just being smart, right? If you're smart, you'll know, you know, I'm a little smarter. I can know what the right decision is in this and, and so forth. You know, there's a lot of people, you know, even people who haven't followed Jesus that are smart and they can make decisions that you could say, well, that was a smart thing to do. That was wise. You're anticipating things ahead. But, you know, it's different with heavenly wisdom. Heavenly wisdom is to be a covering over our lives. It should be something that governs our lives. It should be a control for our lives. We are to, we are to totally submit and surrender to the wisdom of God as he leads us. That's the only way we make it, folks, unfortunately. Uh, you know, I wish it was easier. <laughs> James 3 and verse 13, it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. There's a lot in that verse. Right? It's pretty significant. He's asking that question, well, which, which one of you is wise? It's the one who shows by his good conduct. In, in the Greek, the, the idea of good conduct means basically your life, how, you, how you're leading your life, your story. Okay? It talks about elsewhere in the scriptures, like you're, you're a living epistle written and read by all men. That's kind of what that's talking about. What's your testimony? That's how wisdom is seen. Not just in like, well, I made a good decision at that moment, but what is our testimony? Our good conduct in the meekness of wisdom. And so wisdom is only effective when it's governing, governing and controlling our lives. It's directing our steps in the way of God. You know, most of the time, God's leading of of wisdom is, feels very ordinary. It can just be like little promptings, uh, you know, or maybe just praying, Lord, give me wisdom for this. I need to make a right decision here. Or other times God can come in a powerful way, in a supernatural way. I, I remember there was a situation I was involved in, let's call it a ministry uh, situation. It was kind of complex and delicate. Um, and I was involved in bringing the right outcome. And I just remember crying out, Lord, give me wisdom. I need wisdom to, to know what to do. And, and it was if after there came a point when all of a sudden these, these concepts and these ideas started to just come into my spirit. And I knew what it was. I knew what had to be done. I knew what the answer was. And I, I remember thinking, wow, this is nice. I wish you could be like this all the time. <laughs> but you know, there might be different levels of, of our, our experience and how God leads us and speak to us. But you know, if we are willing to submit our lives and our conduct to God and come under his mantle and anointing of wisdom, that is what it can be like. He will lead us in that way so that we're protected and walking in his safe pathway. And actually, I got those two phrases I just wanted to mention concerning wisdom. There's two phrases, the mantle of wisdom. Now, if you search in the Bible for that phrase, you won't find it, right? 
So I, I, I'm just kind of using it as a concept, but I think it, it applies, right? A mantle in, from a scriptural context, it represents a covering, an authority. Remember the story of Elijah who came up to Elisha and he threw his mantle on him and said, follow me. And he was just plowing in a field and it was symbolic. You know, Elijah was saying, come and follow me, come under my guidance, be my disciple. You know, and that's like the voice of wisdom talks about that in Proverbs. It's crying out in the streets and in the highest places of the city, come and follow me. But, you know, the invitation is come into my way, take my mantle on you and walk and follow my way, what I'm saying to you. Come into the way of wisdom. That's where the meekness of wisdom comes into play, like James was talking about. Right? Meekness means to submit. If we're meek, it's, okay, Lord, I'm going to submit. I don't understand it. I might not even want to do it in, in my heart, but yet I'm going to let you deal with that and cleanse me and give me a right heart. But yet, Lord, I'm going to submit to you. Wisdom won't do us any good if we don't submit to it. And that's been a lot of, you know, the, a lot of sad stories in the Christian world and the, even in Scripture, right? Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, he knew the anointing of wisdom, but he never submitted to the mantle of wisdom for his life. He, he could guide the lives of many people. He could guide his whole nation, but he couldn't guide himself because he never came under the authority of God's wisdom for his life. He did whatever seemed right in his own eyes. And it led to his destruction where he was just a sad and foolish king in the end. Those are his own words, his summary. And so before we consider anything with wisdom, we have to come to the place where that mantle and authority of wisdom is upon us and we're submitted to it. We're willing to yield to it. And then we can flow with the spirit of wisdom. Because that's the second point, right? The wisdom is an anointing, as it's described in the, in the scriptures, right? It's one of the aspects of the Holy Spirit. And we can flow in that anointing, and it will be effective, not just for our lives, but for the lives of others. You know, Paul cried out for his congregation and his churches, Ephesians 1.17. He said, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom, and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, this is more than just an experience of, of the Holy Spirit, like the baptism in the Spirit. Right? Many in his churches have already experienced that, but his prayer was, I want, I want the spirit of wisdom to come upon my people, upon the church. He wanted that anointing to flow in their lives. Now, in the, in the scriptures, that concept of the anointing, it comes from the priest's that were anointed with holy oil um, with spe specific ingredients and it was put upon them and it was anointing that consecrated them. That was the purpose of it. They were anointed and then they were consecrated. They were set apart to minister to the Lord, to live a holy life for him. Uh, you know, the, the high priest especially, he realized he was not like some other, you know, Joe out there in the congregation. He had to walk in a way that pleased God, not pleased people. 
He was consecrated. And God wants to anoint us to walk in a specific pathway for our lives so that we will be consecrated to the way of wisdom, to flow in God's way, in his direction, if we ask for it, if we seek it, and if we receive it in our lives. Now, there's a lot more we could say about wisdom. You know, there's, there's the wisdom from above that we need to seek, and we need to avoid the wisdom from below because that never brings any good fruit, like the, the wisdom of man. And so I want to just look at some practical things in closing. Is what do we do to receive wisdom? Right? What, what is it? Is there some secret? Is there some key to receive wisdom? I think the Bible kind of talks about two things. First, James 1 verse 5. And this is very simple. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask. And some of you might be sitting there and say, well, do I have enough wisdom? If the answer is no, and it probably is, we're always in a place where we can use more wisdom. What do we do? James gives a simple instruction. Lift your heart to the Lord and say, Lord, would you give me wisdom? Give me wisdom to make right decisions and to walk in a right way in my life. And it says, if we ask, God gives to all liberally without reproach, and it will be given if we ask and come to him. Now, of course, when we're asking, we're already making that assumption of the first part, the mantle. It's like, if we're asking, then we want to know what he says we have to do. We have to walk in that. And so we ask. And that's so important. You know, we, we all face situations where we have decisions to make. And that, that decision will affect us. Sometimes it affects our, our eternity. And so in that situation, we have to ask for wisdom. But, you know, in our times of need, I, I, you know, that's good to ask, but I think it's good to ask every day. You don't even know when you're going to need it. You're going to need to make that decision. Sometimes you got to make a decision. You don't have time to have a prayer meeting and seek God. And so, you know, I try to pray that. Well, I'm praying it more often now. Lord, would you give wisdom? Lord, I need your wisdom. I was just reading a story uh, by Dr. Bailey and his commentary. He was talking about wisdom, and he was sharing an experience he had, and he shared how he, it was his practice to pray for wisdom every day. And he said for years his cry was, Lord, give me wisdom. Anoint me with the spirit of wisdom. You know, because he was a leader, and he had people came to him for counsel and so forth, and he was crying out for wisdom. And well, there's a day that he was asked to come to the crusade of Catherine Coleman, and he was there to introduce a friend of his who was, he was a, a minister in Singapore there, and, and so he was introducing uh, him to Catherine Coleman. And at, at that time, you know, Catherine Coleman was, had an a awesome ministry of healing, and her services focused on experiencing healing and the power of God flowing and so forth. And at, at one point, she offered to pray for them. And normally she'd pray for healing and such. But So she prayed for the pastor from Singapore. But he went down. And then she came to Pastor Bailey. She laid her hands on him. And she said one word. Wisdom. It meant so much to him because he had been crying out to God 
for this. And when she laid her hands on him, she just said, wisdom. And that meant so much. And then he went down under the power of the Spirit. But, you know, she didn't know that was the cry of his heart. But God did. And he so wants to anoint us with wisdom. One last point. You see, we can ask for wisdom and we can even receive wisdom, but there is a key to getting more wisdom. Uh, And that principle can be seen in Matthew 25 and verse 29. It says, For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have abundance. But to everyone that does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Now, the principle here that God is saying is, and this is not just wisdom, this is many things in his kingdom, is that if we want to receive more, we have to appreciate and follow what we're given today. You know, as human beings, we have a tendency to pick and choose what's nice. You know, you go into the supermarket and we're always like picking up fruit. I don't like that one. I'm going to put that back. Oh, this one looks like a good one. I'll put that in my basket. And, you know, you'll, you'll pick and choose throughout everything and you have what, what's pleasing to you. But we have to come to the place where we realize God's house is not a supermarket. His temple is not something where we can come and pick and choose. God presents us with his truth and we have to say, Lord, I receive it. And then we walk in that. And as we walk in that, You know, we cry out, Lord, give me wisdom, and he gives it. But, well, maybe that wisdom is something that's like, Lord, I was not expecting you to say that. Or that's a hard one, Lord. But if we want to get more wisdom, we have to walk in what he gives us today. We have to use the wisdom that God gives, and then we possess it because we've obeyed it. Then God will give us more. You know, there's kind of a carnal saying, I hate to say that with, with what we're talking about God, but you know, in, in the earth, people who are investing, they'll, they'll have the phrase, you have to have money to make money. But that's true in the kingdom of God. You have to have a substance and use it to get more. You know, once in, in the natural, once you start accumulating money, you can make it faster because you can, you know, you can make more money on a 5% investment on you know, 100000 than you can from 5000 So you just keep, you know, investing and accumulating it and you make more. But you got to start with that, at that place of obedience. Lord, you've given me a word of wisdom. I'm going to walk in it. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to obey you in this. And so it's the same in the kingdom of God with many of, of, of his, his attributes Actually, there's a verse in Daniel 2.21 that says, who does, it answers the question, or who does he give wisdom to? It says he gives wisdom to the wise. And so if we want to wisdom, we got to make sure we've been walking, that wisdom is behind us as well as in front of us. And so to flow in abundant wisdom, we have to walk in what he gives us today. And as we do that, There'll come times when we experience what no eye has seen and no ear has heard. It hasn't even entered into our hearts, but God will show us what to do. 
through His wisdom because we've walked in it. We've made that our pathway. We've come under the mantle. And so Joseph was promoted because of wisdom in a dark and difficult time in the earth. Well, it was a good time, right? But he also needed wisdom for that because if he hadn't, if he hadn't been paying attention in the good times, he wouldn't have made it through the bad. And so even today, we need to pay attention. Lord, give me wisdom to be in the right place, to do, be doing the right things. Through wisdom, Joseph preserved nations and he preserved the people of God. And, you know, I fully believe in the days to come that world leaders are once again going to turn to those who have wisdom from, from God. And they're going to rely on that because they're going to be filled and anointed with wisdom. They will be the people that know what to do in the dark hour. And God wants to make us a people of wisdom who are able to heed her call to come under his mantle through meekness and to flow in his anointing. So let's ask for wisdom today. Amen? Amen. Maybe uh, the Sarah can come forward and we just want to sing a little chorus and then I'm going to come back and pray and just give an opportunity for us to, you know, as God's people to say, Lord, I need wisdom. Amen?